Imagine you are walking on a beach. The late afternoon sun feels warm on your shoulders. And the wet sand feels cool under your feet. The beach stretches out in front of you, as far as you can see. And the gentle waves roll in and then ease back out to sea. This is EM Pulse with your hosts, Sarah Medeiros and Julia Magana. Episode 8, Thriving, Not Surviving. Sarah, are you well? This is probably the wrong time to ask me that question. (laughs) (laughs) I am coming off of a fairly brutal swing shift that went two hours too late, got caught up in a lot of systems issues, just felt really beat uh, down and didn't sleep much because up with the kids early this morning. So I can't say I'm feeling especially well at this moment in time, but um, this big mug of tea you made me is helping. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have those small things. So today we're going to talk about physician wellness, which people often use interchangeably as burnout or lack thereof, right? Yeah, and we want you to ask yourself a few questions. What is your personal definition of physician wellness? What is your personal recipe to thrive? What does it look and feel like to thrive rather than just survive? And as we got ready for this, Sarah, I spent a lot of time looking at the literature and blogs on physician wellness. And it's really interesting because there is a lot of stuff out there on this topic. But there's very little consensus on what wellness actually means. To back up this lack of definition, a recent systematic review of physician wellness papers found that of all of the papers on physician wellness, weirdly, only 14% of them defined what they were actually studying, physician wellness. Of those papers that did define physician wellness, they kind of went into two separate buckets. One, the mental construct of wellness. What are your emotions, moods, distress, burnout, depression, things like that. And in the second bucket, actual physical health. Uh, What are the behaviors that you're doing to stay healthy, exercise, do you have diseases, other things like that? Yeah, and well-being goes beyond the absence of burnout or depression and includes being challenged, thriving, achieving quality of life in mental, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual domains, all of these things. On the Happy MD blog, Dr. Drummond says, it is about how much you enjoy yourself, how much you feel your work makes a difference in people's lives, the quality of your relationships of the people most important to you. So burnout is characterized by a low sense of personal accomplishment, feelings of cynicism or depersonalization, and a loss of enthusiasm for work or emotional exhaustion. Because this is such a complex definition, we decided to talk to some of our colleagues to see how they defined wellness. 
And it's interesting because we spoke with both residents, fellows, and with attending physicians. And we posed them this question, what does wellness mean to you? Wellness to me is being able to reflect on my work life and my home life with a feeling of fulfillment and happiness. I think for me, um, over the years, I've really realized it's about achieving a level of my own serenity. And serenity isn't necessarily happiness. Uh, Maybe the analogy would be having a small boat on a river. And as long as the, the boat is able to stay kind of upright and sailing on course, and even when it rocks and starts to fall over, there's, there's other skills and other things that can help it right. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about wellness is balance, which is basically a balance of work and play that makes you better in both spheres, basically. For me, professional wellness has to do with remaining things being fun and happy. But more importantly, I think for me, it's that I feel that whatever I'm doing, I'm contributing and that people are listening to me. For myself, and I know for many people, once you feel like you're no longer in control or have any um, voice in your career, that can become very frustrating. And no matter how much extra personal wellness I do, eating well, exercising, you know, taking care of myself, if the work aspect is too stressful, then that can make it even harder. There was a large study out of the Mayo Clinic in 2015 that showed that physicians overall are more burned out than the general population and they're getting more burned out than they ever were before. Both the Mayo Clinic and Medscape surveys, which are two of the largest studies on physician wellness, have shown that emergency medicine physicians have the highest rates of burnout. But interestingly, a study asking the exact same questions as the Mayo study to pediatric emergency medicine physicians showed that we are way less likely to be burned out. Actually, I was one of the participants of that study, I have to say. Well, so wellness is obviously crucial to us as human beings, but it's also important because several studies have shown that unwell physicians are more likely to order unnecessary tests and unnecessary procedures, commit medical errors, and leave the medical profession early. Since over 70% of emergency medicine physicians report symptoms of burnout, we thought we had a pretty good chance of catching someone in our department who has felt burnt out. So we asked some of our colleagues about this. We asked them, did you ever have a time where you struggled with wellness? This is what they said. Residency, right? So you're working so much and you're, you're not able to do a lot of those things that keep you well. But I think having a program that was supportive of me, especially if there were any specific situations where I was struggling, having leadership of the program that was approachable and understood the concepts and provided me space and time to, to do what I needed to do to get back on my feet was very important. I think there were a, a couple rotations in third year of medical school, actually, which I thought was one of the more stressful times, just because not only do you have all of the clinical responsibilities that you're not getting paid for that you don't feel like you're necessarily helping the team for, but you also have to study for the exams. And I kind of lost sight of those things that I mentioned, like family, exercise, even just like taking the time to like make dinner at home. I've had many episodes where I felt out of balance and struggling for wellness throughout my career. The things I've done that have worked successfully for me when I find myself in such a difficult time is really taking the pause to reflect about why I'm feeling so badly, honestly look at those emotions, and then from that point of honesty, try to identify how I found myself in this place. 
And after that, try working through that with my loved ones openly and honestly. For myself, you know, many years ago, I had my own struggle and kind of had a, a breaking point that made me have to make some major changes. And it was really me understanding how I take on different work aspects and stress. And I think we all have to understand, we all come into a helping profession, wanting to do whatever we can for the other person. And we've all learned in our careers, delayed gratification through much of our lives, which are almost innate in us. And I think as you go through a career, and as I went through a career, I realized that there's other skills that I hadn't really learned about myself. One was about setting up boundaries to say no. Other things are having self-compassion when something doesn't go right or whatever. It's making sure that I understood how to put that in perspective. And I think for me, what wellness means is really understanding for myself where I have control and really understanding I have control over everything. My choice to do something or feel, that is really something I'm choosing to do. You know, as the old saying goes, pain's inevitable, but suffering is optional. Hard things happen at work, hard things happen at home, hard things happen in life that are part of just existing as a person. My choice and how I respond to it, whether I get more worked up or or I become more frustrated or I allow an issue at work to become bigger or whatever that issue is, it was learning skills in my own life that made everything much more even. I didn't get too high on the highs and I didn't get too low on the lows. Okay, so clearly we do struggle with wellness, but why is this a problem? Some of the things I can think of, we have demands coming in from all sides. We've got administrative responsibilities and what is best for patient care. And then there's the home life, staying present with your family, the stress of taking care of sick patients at work and whether you bring that home. Then there are lawsuits, toxic colleagues, toxic administration, charting. The list goes on and on. And I'm sure it's very individual as well. Yeah, you know, the EHR charting time is definitely one of those big hot button issues for physicians. And it's interesting study that came out of the AMA and Dartmouth Health System showed that almost one half of the physician workday, one half, Sarah, is spent on EHR data entry and other administrative desk work. I mean, that's just crazy town. Only 27% of a physician's time is spent on direct clinical care, this study points out. And another key finding in the study is that for every one hour of face-to-face time with patients, physicians spend nearly two additional hours on their EHR and clinical desk work. Physicians entered medicine to help patients. I mean, that's why we went into it, right, Sarah? Anything that is getting in the way of patient care, whether it's systemic or environmental, that should be a focus of our change. Yeah, and that brings up some great points. To be clear, that was of physicians in general, not specific to emergency medicine physicians. Right. But I definitely feel that. I spend way too much time charting. Yeah. But Julia, I wanted to go back. You mentioned that pediatric emergency physicians don't have the same level of burnout that, or don't report it, at least, (laughs) as uh, general emergency medicine. Why do you think that is? You know, I've been thinking a lot about that, and the study doesn't go into why that is. But some of the things that I can think of is most of us going into pediatrics first went into it because we love kids. The exam and the whole process with kids is a lot of fun. I always kind of compare it to surgery because we have kids that come in that can be sick as stink, have a really big problem. You do an intervention and they can walk out of there. Also, they come to the table without 50 years of drinking alcohol and eating Big Macs. 
they're generally pretty healthy. So we can go back to some of those foundational skills like your good history, a good physical exam, instead of having to rely upon labs and imaging and shotgunning things. And the other thing is, for the most part, kids have a good structural system set up. Kids have insurance. It's not perfect. It's not great. But they are able to get care. Maybe it's not like the ideal care, but they are able to get care. And the other structural component that's hugely to our advantage is parents, right? So when I discharge a child, I'm not discharging them to the streets by themselves or to a hotel room with nobody else to look after them. If I say, if things are getting worse, come back or see a doctor in 12 hours or come back here in 12 hours, for the most part, there's somebody that's looking after them and I can rely upon that. And those are all pieces that make me love my job. Yeah, and I see a lot of those. I work a few shifts in the PZD every month and comparing that to what I see in the adult world. I think you're right. The adult patients are generally sicker. They come with years of maybe bad habits or maybe bad luck, but they're coming into times of terminal illness, cancer diagnoses, heart attacks, heart failure, some things that really, some chronic illnesses that are really affecting their quality of life. So probably overall, it is a sicker population. And then, as you mentioned, there are the sort of systems issues. I hate when I can't get my patients follow-up. It's frustrating when patients have no support and they don't even have a home to go to a lot of times. So all of that stuff, I think, plays in to to why maybe I feel a little bit more burned out than you do. Frustration, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, is not why you went into medicine. Right. And you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. And then there's a lot of regulations as well. People coming down with, like, you have to do it this way. And you have a lot of barriers that make it difficult to practice the way that you want to practice. But there are definitely still some things that affect both of us, especially some of these hours on charting and some of the administrative responsibilities. There's a lot of that that goes into both of our jobs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is not to say that if you go into pediatric emergency medicine that you're not going to be burned out or that there's no problems there because clearly we struggle with our own issues, too. Okay, so we recognize we're struggling with it. What can we do about it? Again, we asked our boots on the ground colleagues. What is it that you do to stay well? How do you stay well? What advice do you have for others? And this is what they said. The short answer is, I don't. (laughs) And the long answer is, I should try. Something that I definitely am not great at, but am getting better at is setting aside a certain time where you say, after this, I'm not going to answer emails and I'm not going to do work because you always have a lot of work, I'm sure, as a fellow or an attending and and just setting certain boundaries because you always want to give a lot of yourself. And I think that you just have to to set a certain point where you say, nope, I'm going to watch TV with my husband or I'm going to just enjoy this movie. Stopping, realizing that the next patient on the next shift is not going to die if you take 30 minutes to go outside and run. And then actually you're more motivated and I study better and I'm more awake after that. So just kind of taking a moment to reset, do something that you really enjoy. Go home, do one of your favorite things. Mine is duck hunting, but you know, whatever <laughs> works for you, take, take a break out and, and take some time to do that and you'll return refreshed and much better at what you're doing. One thing would be to (laughs) limit my time on social media and uh, try to use that time more productively would be good. We all have been there. Please don't isolate yourself. Please don't imagine that you are the only physician who has found 
him or herself in a difficult situation. Talk to your peers, talk to your friends, talk to your family, and talk to yourself openly about this because we've all been there. We've all had these challenging things. We've all had lawsuits and complaints and bad outcomes and struggles with um, family time and work time. So please talk to people. I remember in med school, they told us one of the studies of like the best predictor to reduce burnout was actually having kids, which that's what I'm banking on. The kids, um, snuggles. That's kind of part of my approach to wellness. I have a stay-at-home dad who supports whatever sleeping schedule I have. So he's been very supportive, and I got lucky in that respect. Another thing academically and career-wise that I do to stay well is we just finished wilderness medicine with the fourth-year students. And it just reminds me why I went into academic medicine in the first place, and that's me regroup. Work is really the dominant factor in life. If we can make work uh, a place that we look forward to going to and helping patients and um, accomplishing something, then I think that will flow over to the other aspects of life as well. For a different take on this, we spoke with Amy Mullen, Cal ASEP president and emergency physician here at UC Davis. So, Amy, how does a physician stay well in this current climate? I think that it's interesting because this concept of physician wellness has come out of the concept of burnout. And it's been looked at and and thought that physician burnout is because we're busy and we're not taking time out to do yoga. And I actually think that's the wrong approach. I think that physician burnout has to do with satisfaction at work. And a lot of the barriers that have been put in between physicians and their patients and their ability to do their job and to gain satisfaction from it. You know, a lot of people talk about documentation requirements and metrics and all these external pressures that have really come in between a physician and a patient and providing the best care that you can and building that relationship. And I think it's slowly eroded physician autonomy and job satisfaction. And to pretend you can fix that with a couple yoga sessions and a good long run, I think is sort of demeaning to the underlying cause. So if it's not yoga, it's not a good long run, (laughs) where do we start? I think we need to focus on the root causes. And I think, you know, I think about this, if you feel like your work is intensely meaningful, you're going to spend every minute doing it and you'll be perfectly happy to spend morning, noon, and night at your job because you'll find intense, meaningful, and job satisfaction. So I don't think it has to do with time away or time on a run or time with your family, but it has to do with your satisfaction on your day-to-day business. And I think we need to start empowering physicians to make change and to look at what are the barriers and how can we empower physicians as leaders to make change in the system and to feel like they're empowered to provide better care. So, I mean, for me personally, I look at this and I look at organized medicine as my venue and my voice to really overcome some of the barriers that we now are faced with every day in terms of providing what we see as the best care to our patients. One of the things that comes up in studies, and I personally struggle with, is the amount of time that we spend on EHR and other non-patient care issues. 
how can we overcome the barriers that remove us from why we went into medicine to begin with? So I encourage people to look at when you see a barrier in front of you, not to just keep ramming your head against that wall, but to think about why did someone put this wall here and how can we start breaking it down? And to really use your voice as a leader, as a physician, and to kind of go outside of medicine if you need to, to think about how do we change the system? Because the system is broken. And what we need to do is really be advocates for our patients in changing the system so that it works for us and so that it works for our patients. Because we're the ones who know what works and doesn't work. And if we just get beat down and say, well, you know what I need to do is I need to work less and I need to be less involved, then we're just kind of making the system worse. If we just accept what it is and say, you know, I really can't, I'm not getting satisfaction from my work and my job. So I'm going to get it somewhere else and spend less time at work and be less invested with work. It's really the patients in our system that are going to suffer. So Amy, you sound like you've got this figured out. What are some tips for those of us who feel like we're failing? Oh, you make it sound like I'm not failing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I juggle way too much and I'm not good at saying no, um, especially if it's something that I care about. So. I would say my tip is, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. So, um, and to get as much possible help as you can. So if someone says, Hey, want to help? The answer should always be yes to that. You know, the interesting thing is that research backs up Amy's thoughts that for EM physicians specifically work-life balance is not the main issue. In the Mayo study, the majority of EM physicians actually were happy with their work-life balance. They were in the top four of all specialties, yet we had the highest level of burnout of any specialty. I personally think the neurosurgeons just didn't take time to fill out the survey. They have to be more burned out than (laughs) us, right? One of my favorite articles that I ran into as I was getting ready for this was the Ten Commandments of Physician Wellness by Dr. Kral. He speaks to the complexity of this issue. It's not just one universal formula or action that like yoga is going to make all of a sudden all of us well. Some of it in the Ten Commandments we've already mentioned. Some of what we've talked about already was in those Ten Commandments, like know your limits by creating clear boundaries, take care of yourself, connect with your own purpose, find your passion, find and take advantage of your positive, supportive relationships. But he also suggests don't wait for someone else to reduce your stress or wait for your management to make you well. Don't resist change, he suggests, and don't take it out on others. He also mentions working smarter, not harder, especially when it comes to things like EHR. And he also brings up the importance of continuing to learn. And I think there are a lot of good points in there. My only issue is that it really puts the onus back on the physicians themselves. And I still think the system is a big part of the issue. I see what you're saying. When I read that article, I kind of felt like he was doing what my mom used to always say is ask yourself, who do you have control over? And I feel like I have control over myself. And these are practical things that I can do for myself. Yeah, but I think that's where Amy points out that we can actually have a role in changing the system. This issue is super complex. There's so many things that play into it, including the setting, academic versus community. And actually, there's less burnout in academic settings. So clearly, it's not about how much you make. (laughs) You know, also your relationships, both in and out of work, are super key. I think we need to look not just at our own wellness, but how do we interact with others? How do we treat and support each other? For me, that's a huge part of wellness. 
And wellness is clearly important to our department, as evidenced by the fact that we retreat to learn together each year. And last year, our entire retreat was devoted to wellness. In addition, we actually have a departmental vice chair of wellness, Dr. Katrin Tyler. And Katrin's going to talk with us about why it's important for a department to focus on wellness and what it looks like for a department to thrive, not just survive. Katrin, you are Professor of Emergency Medicine. And then what are some of your other titles? So um, I'm the Associate Program Director for um, the Residency Program, and I'm the Geriatric Emergency Medicine Fellowship Director. And I'm also the Vice Chair for Faculty Development, Wellness and Outreach. And I also have a role in the Mentoring Academy where I'm the Associate Director. That's a lot to deal with. Katrin, today we're talking about wellness, and one of the new interns recently had a kind of new insight, uh, as interns often do. And he was mentioning that he'd been watching posts on social media of other physicians that had taken pictures of themselves out like kayaking with their kids or something like that and tagging it like hashtag physician wellness. And he was like, it feels kind of sick and twisted that you have to have like a hashtag for what should be just normal life for a non-physician person. What do you think about that? Well, firstly, I think a lot of non-physician people don't do it. I actually, I think one of the things that physicians have actually done a reasonably good job of is that we've come to recognize that some of those things are important to us. And mostly we have the salary to support doing sort of exotic activities that other people may or may not be able to do. I do think that the whole hashtag physician wellness, particularly on social media, is things that visually look good. It's not necessarily getting at the heart of what actually makes you well. It sort of only reflects your time away from the job, which is just as really a component of the whole big picture. So what is the big picture? What is physician wellness, Katrin? Well, I think sort of at its heart, it's a sense of, you know, sort of well-being, that you feel comfortable with who you are and where you are, with the choices that you're making. At its most fundamental, it's that you can sort of sleep well at night knowing that you've made the right choices for you. I think it's going to be really different for different people. I do not think by any stretch of the imagination it's all yoga classes. That might be a part of it for some people. I do think one of the advantages of those sort of glamorous sort of activities is that they are the choices that we get to make for ourselves about how we spend our time. And so I think when you get back to sort of the heart of the personal resilience component is if yoga is the thing for you or if book clubs are the thing for you or if climbing trees or climbing mountains or whatever it is, fishing, whatever it is that floats your boat, you get to make those choices. And so I think that part of it is important because you have control over that. And of note, Katrin and I are in a book club together. We have a lot of fun, eat a lot of good food. So, Katrin, it was mentioned before that a component of wellness or physician satisfaction as part of that wellness is actually making changes to the system and improving the system since we know it well, we can be a part of that change. I think that can be a very important component of physician wellness and fulfillment if you have the space available. And I I 100% agree with Amy that it's really completely pointless to just be complaining about something. It's much better to sort of take the bull by the horns and try and change things even a little bit. But I also think that argument comes a little bit from a position of privilege and 
not everybody at every point in their life is going to be able to offer up that kind of time. But then, you know, there's still the opportunity to even start small. And I think I do agree that um, we sort of feel like we've lost our way because we've sort of relinquished control of a lot of aspects of our professional life. And I think that if you start to creep that back a little bit, even just by changing a minor protocol within your department, then that starts to feel like you're more in control of what you're doing. And I think that is part of why we went into um, being physicians. That doesn't mean you necessarily need to do it on a grand scale. And it sort of doesn't mean that you have to dedicate a huge amount of time for it. I think, but just complaining about something, I, I absolutely agree with Amy that that's sort of pointless and actually just leads to more a sense of more frustration. But I do think that, you know, not everybody has the time or the opportunity to be spending really a large portion of their time dedicated to those things. And sometimes that's because you've got external forces at work in your life. You've got sick parents, you've got a disabled kid, you're the sole breadwinner. You know, there's there's lots of different things that factor into an individual physician's life as to why they can or can't make an individual choice at a particular moment in time. When I came here, I was really impressed with the concept of having a physician that is dedicated with inside of our own department to wellness. What exactly does that mean? What does your position look like and what do you do for our department? That's a really good question. I think part of it really plays into the overall concept of the culture of wellness, which is that it becomes something that we talk about a lot. The emergency physicians have the sort of dubious honour of scoring highest in terms of overall burnout. So I think we're pretty aware of what the risks are. Um, and I think one of the other issues that we face is because we're a 24-7 specialty, it is easy for other things to encroach on our time. So helping to create that culture of wellness, I think, is really important. And then I think at a practical level, it's really more about how do we make institutional changes that help support our physician efficiency? And actually that includes a lot of things like having us be better at electronic medical records, um, sort of abandoning that one hour at the start of an institution. Or, I'm sorry, one hour when you, when you start with an institution where you get an hour of electronic medical record training and then that's it and you never get any more. You know, the EMR changes over time and it's good to be able to build in some of those things. And actually we have probably even more important than me for um, departmental wellness is that we have a physician advocate for the electronic medical record. And I think um, so Aman Parikh has done an amazing job of being able to sort of bring in things that are actually very physician friendly because the bottom line is if you don't get home to do any of those things that you love to do because you're here typing or chirping into your dictation system, then that's not wellness. What are some of the challenges that you face with creating a culture of wellness in a department in general? I think people's recognition of other and that recognition that individual physicians have the right and obligation to make decisions that are best for themselves and sometimes that will fit neatly into the sort of pre-existing departmental culture and sometimes it won't. I think the, the bigger your department, the more diverse your department, the more different things you're going to have to incorporate into what's a normal type thing for physicians to be doing, how physicians choose to spend um, their downtime isn't really entirely up to them. I think some challenges that a lot of different um, places face is 
what to do with out-of-hours emails and all those kinds of things. So creating a culture where you don't have to respond to things after hours and, and people feel like their time is protected and respected. I think as we get bigger as a department, then sort of appreciating that people are going to make different decisions, which is good. And also I think that being a woman does, you know, I can only speak for myself as a woman, but I think some of the decisions that I make sort of come from that position that I I think don't necessarily um, come straight away to male doctors for, you know, just because they experience things differently. Do you have any personal tips for wellness? Like how do you stay well as a physician? So my whole journey on this actually started from the most narcissistic place possible. Um, my son was two years old and I saw a photo of myself next to a small pony and I realised that my butt was as wide as the pony's butt. It's a really small pony, but, but still, it was really, a, it was really, an, it was like, oh, can't ignore this for anymore. <laughs> this is not a good trajectory. It really reinforced to me the importance of physical exercise and staying healthy and importantly, I think that I sort of think of this like in financial terms where financial advisors tell you to pay yourself first. You have to look after yourself first. You know, the other way of um, thinking about this is put on your own oxygen mask first. Whatever it is, make sure that you are whole enough so that you can help your family and the people around you and your patients and your other staff so that you can be fully present. And sometimes that means setting boundaries and saying no so that you can actually be present when you need to be. Any other tips for us as we end? High intensity training. (laughs) (laughs) You can do a lot in a short period of time. I did have a patient not that long ago and she told me she didn't have time to eat vegetables, which was just absurd. (laughs) Eat your veggies. There has actually been quite a lot of work that says that money can't buy happiness, but it can help. And whatever you can afford to outsource, you should outsource if it's not bringing you joy to do it. And I think just sort of be mindful of the decisions that you're making. And I agree with Amy, don't whine about something, just try and change it, but realize that you're not always going to be changing it all the time. And so be kind to yourself and be forgiving. And kind to each other. When you said HIT training, were you talking about med school and residency or the actual HIT exercises? (laughs) HIT exercises. Yeah, (laughs) I love those. (laughs) Thank you, Catherine, so much for taking time to talk with us. Thanks. Pulse check. Wellness is a complex issue with no simple formula to thrive instead of just survive. There are many definitions of wellness. Here's one we like. Well-being goes beyond the absence of burnout or depression. It is about how much you enjoy yourself, how much you feel your work makes a difference in people's lives, and the quality of your relationships with the people most important to you. Why we are not well is also complex, but clearly the majority of us struggle with it. We should strive not only to improve ourselves, but actually fix the systems issues that make it hard to thrive. Finally, as Katrin points out, remember to put on your oxygen mask first. We have to help ourselves before we can help others. Join us on social media at Ian Pulse Podcast to continue this conversation. At the beginning of the episode, we asked you a few questions. What is your personal definition of physician wellness? What is your personal recipe to thrive? What does it look and feel like to thrive rather than just survive? 
And speaking of thriving, I am going to be personally thriving in Maui at the Emergency Medicine Hot Topics 2018, November 6th through 10. You can join us there as well as we thrive together and learn together. And thanks so much to our department. You keep us well. Thank you to OM Audio Productions. Babe, you make me well too. Ha, 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 ha.